0: Hello and welcome to Calling All Detectives from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. Calling All Detectives! When a nightclub was fixed up like a morgue, it made an appropriate setting for murder. That is the situation on this page from my casebook, the casebook of Jerry Browning... Private detective. Take it from me, Jerry Browning, private detective. Murderers make mistakes. And I say that without reservations. I was outside a nightclub, the chasm, newest and zaniest spot in town. Artie McCoy, the owner, had asked me to stop in to talk business. I walked in. but effective. And next came an eerie clanking of chains, and the very floor began to move. I descended into the chasm. It was quite a place. There were fake tombstones and phosphorescent skeletons everywhere. The tables were in the shape of coffins, and what light there was came from lamps made to resemble skulls. The customers seemed to be having a good time, though, and the head waiter, dressed in the formal attire of a very stagy undertaker, was a busy man. Uh, Sorry you had to wait, sir. You have a reservation? Nope, I want to see Artie McCoy. I'll go right to his office. I didn't wait for the head waiter's directions. I threaded my way through the crowd, almost glided with a cute cigarette girl dressed in widow's weeds, and just behind the orchestra stand, I found a door labeled Artie McCoy, the real macabre. I opened the door. McCoy's office was just as goofy as the rest of the joint. Believe me, he must have had a weird sense of humor to dream up a place like this. But as I went toward the marble slab that served as his desk, I knew Artie McCoy had had his last laugh. There was a neat bullet hole above his heart. And as I stared at it, McCoy gave one dreadful groan and died. When the owner of a weird nightclub sent for me, I found that a murderer had got to him ahead of me. Lieutenant Dawson and the homicide squad answered my call on the double. Sergeant Rooney, see that the entrance and all the exits are covered. Don't let anybody in or out. Now, Jerry, tell me how you happen to be here. I told him. McCoy sent for me, Dawson, but he didn't tell me why. He wouldn't. Artie was a pretty smart operator. Not a wrong, exactly, but slick. I heard that when he opened this spot, he ran into a little trouble with some of the competing clubs. I nodded. and As I did, something small and lustrous caught my eye. I bent down, picked it up. And look, Dawson... A hunk of pearl. Yeah. Looks like part of an earring. I guess maybe we'd better go talk to the ladies. Find out if one of them was McCoy's last visitor. But before we could do that, we had our own visitor, Sergeant Rooney. Hey, Luce, It's awful spooky out in that entrance. I've been riding up and down in some dopey contraption and listening to voices. Ghost voices. And you know something else? Nobody cares that they can't go home. Them crackpot customers all figure we're part of the entertainment. They do, huh? Well, I'll show him there's nothing funny about the law. No, you don't, Dawson. Let's go along with the gag. Maybe we'll turn the laugh on a murderer. We walked out on the floor and Andre, the head waiter, came hurrying over. Is anything wrong, sir? I saw those plain clothesmen and all new patrons seemed to be coming in. I I just wondered if the boss was having some trouble. Can I help? I thanked Andre. Told him to do nothing but stand by for a while. Then I stepped up on the orchestra stand. I turned on the public address system. Ladies and gentlemen, your attention, please. Someone in this room is a murderer or murderess. Can you imagine that? They loved it, thought it part of the show. Dawson was burning, but I went on. Now, as you know, it's always ladies first. So, girls, will you all step to the center of the floor? That's it, right this way. Within five minutes, every woman in the place was standing in front of me. Their escorts took it as a great stunt. What are you going to do, choose the Miss Homicide of the Year? I let them laugh, because it gave me an idea. I figured the gal who'd lost that hunk of earring didn't know it, or else she'd have ducked back to McCoy's office and I'd have seen her. That's why... Girls, remember that business with Prince Charming and Cinderella's missing slipper? Well, we're going to have a little hunt-and-seek contest of our own only we're looking for a lady who's lost an earring. To a woman, they put their hands to their ears, but what that proved was nothing. No earrings or parts of them were missing. I tried another trick, this time looking for the gun that had killed McCoy. Too many earrings and too many lovely ladies for me to choose from. So tell you what, let's make the winner the gal with the heaviest pocketbook. My audience was too cooperative. Those gentle ladies actually threw their purses at me. And the result of this smart stunt? Zero also. No gun. Just then, Sergeant Rooney pushed through the crowd, holding a gun. And the customer still thought it was part of the act. Dawson couldn't bear it. He held up his hand and his police department badge. There was a lot of whispering. And the ladies, finally realizing that the hunt for a murderess was no joke, quietly filed back to the tables. I turned to Dawson. "I'm sorry, pal. Forget it, Jerry. Would have been a good trick if it worked. Now, Sergeant, where'd you find the gun? Down in the shaft that Trick Flar goes into. But loot. I don't guess it'll do us much good. We checked it for prints and registry. Drew a blank on both." Dawson sighed. "Okay. So what we've got is a hunk of pearl, fake, and a gun with no trace of ownership." Some case. We've got to work it strictly off the cuff. I looked at Dawson as he said that. Off the cuff it is, Dawson. That pearl. It could be from a man's cufflink. This time we called the men out on the floor. Had them hold out their hands. But we didn't find a broken cufflink in the crowd. Then I remembered something. I sent for Andre, the head waiter. Andre, you're the only man here wearing formal clothes. Let's see your cops. He tried to break away and was jumped by a dozen cops. After that, he was ready to talk. Admitted that he was a silent partner in a club across the street. McCoy's place was ruining his own joint and cutting into his gambling profits. So he decided to get McCoy. Nobody knew Andre. It was easy for him to get a job with McCoy and wait for his chance. Except that McCoy was worried and called me. The broken cuff link was Andre's, of course, and it proved expensive. It cost him his life. Like I said, a killer always makes some mistake, and when it comes to paying for his crime, he can't put it on the cuff.